0: Good evening, all right, well as Linda told you my name is Christine and it's truly just a delight and a joy and an honor for me to get to be here with you this evening. Thank you so much to all of the ladies who helped put this event together. Um, This is such a highlight of my Christmas season and I hope you all are having a wonderful time together. Well tonight we want to continue worshiping our great Savior, we are going to spend some time together just marveling at our Christmas story. It's really an incredible true story, and it highlights so many attributes of our amazing God, like his love for the people that he's made, and his humility to leave heaven and descend to earth as a baby, his power to do the impossible and create life inside a virgin's womb, His glory, as he is worshipped by angels in the sky, shepherds from the field, and even wise men from a distant land. We also see in the Christmas story God's sovereignty. We see that he is a planner. The one who knows all things, has all wisdom, and is in complete control. He has plans, and he planned the Christmas story, every detail ahead of time. My title this evening is In the Fullness of Time, Marveling at God's Christmas Plan to Save Us. In the Fullness of Time comes from a Bible verse in Galatians 4 that says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son. You see, God the Father had a set time that he had already determined when he would send his Son Jesus, and that is exactly when Jesus came. Think of a young child, anticipating Christmas morning. They're lying in bed, not sleeping, wondering if it's time yet, if it's time yet to come out and find their presents. They don't know that mommy and daddy are busy with preparations so that there are presents to open come Christmas morning. But morning does come, and then the time is right for the child to burst out of their room and discover their Christmas gifts. Well, a little over 2,000 years ago, the time was right for the world to discover the most precious and most needed Christmas gift of all time, the long-expected Savior. The second part of my title explains my goal for us this evening, and that is marveling, marveling at God's Christmas plan to save us. To marvel means to be filled with wonder and astonishment, you know as well as I that Christmas time can be a very busy season. You know, our, our minds are filled with things like baking and traditions and decorating and parties, buying gifts and traveling. I would love for us to pause this evening and just spend some time meditating together on the sovereignty of God displayed in the Christmas story. It is my prayer that we go home tonight filled with wonder, astonishment, and awe for our great God. And his amazing Christmas plan, which he devised down to the details ages before it happened. Isaiah 25 reads, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name. For you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Let me pray for our time. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for all the women here. God, we thank you for your word. Please give me clear words, steady voice, and may my words be filled with your truth. God, help us to worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God's Christmas plans were actually formed so long ago that we must go all the way back to the very beginning. After God created the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the beautiful and bountiful Garden of Eden— They both sinned against God by disobeying his one rule. They ate from the forbidden tree. Sin entered the world, and ever since then, every single person is born with a sinful nature, and we sin before we can even talk. But God wasn't surprised by Adam and Eve's disobedience, and he wasn't thwarted. He already had a plan to rescue us from the death that our sins deserve, he already had a plan to deliver us from the separation from him that our sins demand. God made a promise in the third chapter of Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible. He promised that one of Eve's descendants, a he, a male, would come and bruise Satan, the one who had tempted Eve to sin, on the head. God already knew at the very beginning of mankind that he would send a son of Eve to come and crush Satan, the enemy. And ever since that promise, God's people have been waiting and longing for the one who would come just like that child eager for Christmas morning. And as God made his preparations for the right time, he revealed some more clues about who this son of Eve to come would be. Throughout the whole first section of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, God gave a variety of prophecies about the promised one, proving that God had already planned it all. One example is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 9 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. It is evident that the son promised by God through Isaiah is no ordinary man. And do you remember how many years before Jesus Isaiah lived and made this announcement? It was actually 700 years beforehand. God knew exactly who he was going to send long before the time was right. And when we come to the book of Matthew, which is the very first book in the New Testament, Matthew records the coming of Jesus and very clearly shows how Jesus is the promised Savior who fulfills the prophecies that God the Father had made so many years prior. For the next several minutes, I want us to look at Matthew's account together and marvel at God's plans unfolding that he formed long before. Matthew 1.1 1, 1 begins this way, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. And we're actually going to stop right there, because that introduction is extremely important. Jesus is in the family line of King David. Why does that matter so much? Because God had promised David that he would raise up one of his descendants and establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. About 1,000 years before Jesus came, God revealed his plan that the promised one would come from the family of David. And several hundred years after David, the prophet Isaiah affirmed that plan. The very next verse, after the one that I just read a moment ago about a child being born to us, it says this, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God had planned who he would send and what family line he would come from. And don't you love how sure God's plans are? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God's plans do not fail. It will happen, guaranteed. Back in Matthew 1, Matthew continues recording for us the genealogy of Jesus. And you'll notice a pattern, especially if you're reading it out loud. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Forty... 40 different fathers are introduced to us in that exact same pattern. He was the father of him, he was the father of him, and so on. So when we get down to the end, you expect it to read, Eliezer, the father of Methan, Methan, the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, Joseph was the father of Jesus. But it doesn't say that. In fact, it's really rather jarring that the whole cadence is thrown because it actually reads... Eliezer, the father of Methan, Methan, the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Even when mothers are mentioned in Matthew's genealogy, the pattern remains he was the father of him by this lady, but when we get to Jesus, it's completely different. Joseph, the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born. What is Matthew highlighting? Another long before promised element of God's plan. Isaiah 7 Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. About 700 years before Jesus' birth, God had revealed that the promised one would be born of a virgin. That was part of his plan. So Matthew records, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. God can and will accomplish his plans. Nothing is too hard or impossible for God. Remember, he works wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. God planned that Joseph a descendant of David, would be Jesus' legal father and that Jesus would be born of a virgin. You know what else is amazing here? God, through the angel, told Joseph that Mary would bear a son. Now, that may not strike us as strange to know the baby's gender before the baby's birth, but up until only a few generations ago, parents had to wait until delivery to find out if they were having a son or a daughter. And of course, if Mary's child was the promised one, then he had to be a son. For Isaiah had said that the virgin would bear a son. And God had promised David that he would raise up his descendant and establish his kingdom. And God had promised that Eve's descendant, who would come and crush Satan, would be a he as well. It's not recorded for us what all Mary and Joseph may have thought during those months of the pregnancy, But I can imagine there were possibly a mixture of ecstatic and relieved and amazed when she gave birth to a son. Only God can accomplish a plan with such certainty, and this certainly was God's plan. In chapter 2 of Matthew, Matthew records for us the coming of the Magi, the wise men from the East, who are seeking he who has been born King of the Jews, that they may worship him. Naturally, they arrived in the capital of Jerusalem seeking this royal child, but he was not there. The religious leaders are then questioned if they know where the promised one was to be born, and it turns out they did. Over 700 years earlier, God had revealed through the prophet Micah the birthplace of the promised one. God already had the place picked out. Micah 5 says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. The coming Savior was to be born in Bethlehem. And where was Jesus born? Matthew writes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. But it gets even more amazing. In the book of Luke, Luke records that Mary and Joseph lived in the village of nazareth not bethlehem so we have mary the virgin pregnant betrothed to joseph the son of david but they're in nazareth and in order for jesus to be born in bethlehem i mean in order for jesus to be the promised one he has to be born in bethlehem well luke fills us in in the very familiar words in his account now in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. God can use whatever and whoever to accomplish his plans. He can do miraculous, supernatural things, like create life in a virgin's womb. And he can do miraculous, natural, man-involved things, like use a census at just the right time, all for his purposes. He is that sovereign and that powerful. God made every preparation so that Jesus would come in the fullness of time in just the right place. It's just amazing to ponder God's sovereignty on display in the Christmas story. He planned the who, he planned the how, he planned the where, and he planned the when all ahead of time. And there's one more crucial part of God's plan that we cannot leave out, the why 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 did jesus the promised savior come this way as a baby we know from god's prophecies that he was coming to crush satan and to reign as a king on the throne of david we also know from matthew that the angel told joseph you shall call his name jesus which means the lord is salvation for he will save his people from their sins jesus came to rescue us from the death and the separation from him that our sins demand. The Galatians verse that I used for our title goes on to say that when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son to redeem sinners. That is the most wonderful news. But still, why did our rescuer come as a baby? Why was that the plan? Because Jesus came to do what Adam and all the rest of us humans have failed to do. Jesus came to live the life we are supposed to live in obedience to God in our place. Jesus came to live every stage of life for us, from infancy to toddlerhood to childhood to preteen years to teenage years and to adulthood. Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the second or last Adam because he came and did what Adam should have done back in the Garden of Eden. Say no to sin, resist the devil, and obey God the Father. Jesus always said no to sin in your place and in my place. Remember, the promised one is no ordinary man. Isaiah said he would be mighty God and Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is fully man and he is fully God. He had to be both, to be our representative and to live sinlessly. And there's even more. Jesus came to to be our representative in life, and he also came to be our substitute in death. You see, the wages of sin is death. And in order for us to be saved from the death that our sins deserve, someone innocent has to pay the wages that we owe. And there is only one innocent man who has ever lived. The Son of God, born of a virgin, of the line of David, Born in Bethlehem, promised long ago, Jesus. Jesus came to live our life for us, and he came to die our death for us. Are you ready to marvel some more? God didn't just plan Jesus' birth. He had also planned Jesus' death as well. Romans 5 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And in Acts 2, we read that Jesus was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. I wish we had time to walk through all the details of God's plan perfectly carried out. But I want to highlight one evidence that proves that God had planned everything related to Jesus' death ahead of time. And that is that Jesus knew the plan. And he prophesied himself about his own death at least eight times. Later on in Matthew, we read, as Jesus was going, ab- I'm sorry, as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, "Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock, and scourge, and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up." Jesus knew the very specific plan. He knew beforehand who was going to put him to death, where he would die, and how he would die. And did you catch the last part? Jesus knew ahead of time that death was not the end of the plan. He knew that he would rise again three days later. Long before it happened, God had written the plan for Jesus' death in our place and that he would be resurrected Jesus knew exact details of his death and resurrection ahead of time because it had been planned. Nothing was an accident. God was not figuring things out as he went along. No, his predetermined plan unfolded perfectly. And the coming of the promised Savior and the mission of the Savior are not the only plans God has. Just as God the Father had a plan for Jesus' first coming, He has a plan for Jesus to return a second time. Jesus' second coming is described in both the Old and New Testaments, and it will be extremely different than his first coming as a baby. He will gather his own who trust in him, and he will judge those who do not know him, and he will establish his eternal righteous kingdom. God has planned the ending and has given us so many of the details already. Remember, God's plans do not fail. And what he says will happen, will happen just as he has said. So you can be sure that he will accomplish it all in the fullness of time. That child waiting for Christmas morning never doubts that Christmas will come, but eagerly anticipates its coming. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? You've actually heard the gospel tonight. The gospel is the good news that God is holy and just, loving, and our creator and as his creatures, we must obey him. But we all fail to keep his law perfectly as his holiness and justice demand, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And remember, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. But the good news is that God is rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to earth to keep God's law perfectly for us and to die the death we deserve as our substitute. God the Father accepted Jesus' sacrifice, and so Jesus rose again three days later. So what is our part? Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All who repent, and that just means to turn away from your sin, and who trust in Jesus alone for his righteousness, will be forgiven and saved completely. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. I pray you don't go to sleep tonight without trusting in the savior that God sent to save us. I want to leave you with the Isaiah verse that we began with from Isaiah 25. O oh Lord you are my God I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name for you have worked wonders. Plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And as Naomi so beautifully sang for us earlier, the giver of life was born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan to save the world. When you're making plans for Christmas this year, may you remember our God who long ago planned Christmas itself. And may you worship our Savior who came in the fullness of time. Let me pray. Father, we marvel at your great plans. We exalt you and we thank you. Thank you for planning a way to save us from our sin. Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, may we trust you and worship you tonight and always. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.